don't want to break now. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> why am I nervous? I don't know why I'm nervous. There's nothing, nothing you're nervous about. Okay. <clears throat> All right, here we go. Radio Jordan in three, two. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Shore Stories podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Chong. I'm the director of youth and discipleship at the Shore Church. And joining me today is a really great guest. I'm really excited to have her. Uh, she's she's not just one of the best youth leaders I know. I think she might be one of the best youth leaders ever. I remember meeting her for the first time when she was just a little girl at Keats Camp. It's none other than Jill Curtis. Jill, Hi. how are you doing today? What's up? I'm good. doing well. Awesome. Good to have doing you. Good. What, what year? I was trying to remember because I met you and your brother when you guys were campers at Keats. Yeah. How, what year was that? Like 2003, 2004? You were just a little girl then. It would have been way back because I started going to Keats when I was about three or four years old. So okay. I was young. I know. I think I think my first summer on staff there was 2003. And I think it might have been that summer. Wow, so you you're been old. Just like a little girl. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, in relative terms, I am. But it depends who's listening to this. Anyways, Jill, thanks so much for, for making some time. Uh, you've been a huge blessing to me on the youth ministry. Aww. Uh, it's been great having you at the shore. Why don't you just introduce yourself in a couple sentences? Who is Jill Curtis? Wow, that's actually the hardest question ever. Oh Who is Jill Curtis? Ones. Okay. Well, I describe myself as a very passionate person. Like, mm. if you know me, I just get passionate about everything. Mm. So whether that's the obvious God, I'm very passionate about God, but also things like sharks and <laughs> <laughs> watching documentaries. Okay. I love, I love sharks. Actually, this is a fun fact about me. Can you tell me about that? <laughs> well, I just feel that sharks are completely misunderstood. Okay. Have I ever talked to you about this before? No, this okay. is a good time to do it. <laughs> <laughs> um, they're completely misunderstood. I okay. mean, with the shark finning industry and oh, okay. cutting off their fins and everything, it's just horrible. Mm-hmm. And, you know, because of certain movies like Jaws and stuff like that, um, we really have this idea that sharks are just these evil, evil, horrible creatures. Mm -hmm. Um, When really, you know, very few humans die a year from sharks and we're killing millions a year. Um, So yeah, I'm just very passionate. So sharks are misunderstood. Are you a big fan of the baby shark song? (laughs) I've never, I don't even think I've heard it like in full. Ask any kid at the shore and they can help you with that. (laughs) I do. I I watch Shark Week every year. I have a mixed relationship with Shark Week because sometimes they kind of continue that stigma I feel of like right. sharks being these like crazy I mean they are crazy yeah. but you know they portray demolishing them as, creatures they portray them as bad guys even though they're not necessarily bad guys yeah that's a Wreck-It Ralph quote that- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so wow anyways. this is off to a great start so what yeah. else are you passionate about then oh man well I'm hmm, I'm really passionate about people okay this is more of a serious note, but mm-hmm. I love people. I love seeing people, um, yeah, come to know their true identity. I mm-hmm. love doing outreach work and, mm-hmm. um, I love just getting to know people and their stories, mm-hmm. asking questions, um, learning from people. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a good yeah. segue into maybe if you want to talk a little bit about what you do right now okay. for a living. Yeah. So I'm in social work. Mm-hmm. Um, I work in anti-human trafficking programs. Um, and I work with survivors. Um, I can't go into too much details about sure. it, obviously, um, just for confidentiality reasons. But yeah, I'm obviously incredibly passionate about that work and um, just um, walking alongside women um, 
we've experienced some some pretty tough things mm. um and being able to walk alongside them and um, see them experience joy mm. and come to know their worth and value i mean there's nothing more beautiful than that on mm. earth um so i feel like i'm really i really have the best job in the world mm. i think and when you i know you don't need to get into too much detail here but when you say they're walking through some tough things what mm. what kind of things are you talking about uh well human trafficking right. so um you can imagine just um the level of trauma and mm-hmm. abuse that happens there. A lot of people don't realize that this happens in Canada, right. um, which it, it it happens in a different way in Canada, maybe not sure. in the way that we expect. I mean, I can talk about this for hours, yeah. but, um, you know, it's not necessarily um, women who've been, you know, handcuffed and they're being, you know, kept in a locked room. I mean, that does happen mm-hmm. here in Canada, but um, here it's it, it mostly happens through coercion and mm-hmm. um, psychological uh, manipulation and abuse um, in terms of, um, how would I describe it? Yeah, I think coercion is the best way. Mm-hmm. Um, and so maybe they're not being bound by chains, but they're bound in other ways. Right. Um, fear of their family getting um, killed or um, fear of their own lives, stuff like that. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's tough. And I got to imagine, even though it's a job, like you bring that home with you, I bet. And it's hard mm. to just turn off the switch and not think about that. You know, does, does that yeah. affect your everyday life? Totally. Um, we were just talking about that actually right before mm. we went on the air. And um, I think, you know, we can talk about self-care very casually. People, you know, bring it up mm-hmm. all the time, but it's it's really a skill, like being able to, to take that seriously in your life. Um, and, and to know what you need to do to really take care of yourself. And it, you're not only doing a disservice to yourself when you don't do self-care, but also to your clients right. if you're not taking care of yourself. Um, and so I've really had to learn that over the years. I've been involved in in, in outreach and nonprofit work, nonprofit work for a long time. Um, so I think in the beginning it was really trial by fire, just like really taking things home with me. Um, and I had to work through that and realize mm. that this isn't sustainable. I need to do right. something here. And I actually have a responsibility right. to myself and the clients to, to make sure that I'm, you know, in a place where I'm actually okay to come into work. Right. Um, so things that I do, I don't know if that was part of your question, sure. but um, I, one of the biggest things is, is having safe people that you can talk to. Mm. So I know I was telling you beforehand um, just how imperative being a part of a community group has been for me. Small plug. But, (laughs) (laughs) you know, um, it's been incredible for me to have a group of people that I go to church with that are Christians, similar minded, have an understanding of the spiritual realm Mm -hmm. that you can discuss things with. And our our community group is just an incredibly safe place Mm -hmm. Um, and quite diverse. Actually, we have young people, older people, uh, middle aged. And so I think that's incredibly valuable. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, if you've heard of Roland, he's quite a legend. <laughs> um, you know, him, Diane and Shelly were praying for me last night, mm-hmm. just about some uh, stuff going on in my personal life. And, uh, I, I, have never felt so cared for. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just such a gift. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. Amazing. Yeah. It's one, it seems like one of those jobs, like if you were working like, uh, like a desk job or like something where you just, worked on Excel spreadsheets all day. You could show up in any state of mind and just kind of get through it. But with what you do, like you really got to mentally and emotionally prepare Mm -hmm. yourself because it's really going to beat you up if you Mm. don't. Yeah. And and I think a key thing in that is my faith. Right. Um, Having an understanding that God is real. Mm. uh, God is active and alive today um, and that I'm not alone. Right. And so oftentimes even 
in my mind going, God, I don't know what to do with this story that mm-hmm. I just heard. I actually, I'm giving this to you. I can't, right. I can't hang on to it and trusting him that he will take it. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, in impossible situations that seem just so impossible, um, just so horrific, you know, giving that up and that's all you can do. And, mm-hmm. and that's been essential, yeah. essential in, in doing this work. Yeah. I could see that. Cause if you didn't have your faith and you didn't know about God and know that Jesus was coming back to make all things new, it, you could get hopeless in a hurry working. In oh that my setting. goodness. Revelation 21. That's what I hold on <laughs> oh, to, man. right? Like that there stuff. will come a day, right? Yeah. That's good stuff. Um, so cool. Well, yeah. I'd love to just, uh, backtrack a little bit. Mm, if you, sure. you grew up in North Vancouver. Yeah. Born and raised. You have a brother who I know. <laughs> I don't know if he's listening to this, but he was a little punk. Paul, you suck. Yeah. Love you, Paul. He's a good guy. Love you too. He's a good guy. And, um, yeah. what was your childhood situation? Like who did you live with growing up? Oh, good question. So uh, my parents actually divorced right around when I was born. Okay. So I have no memory of my parents ever being together. Mm. Um, and so that created an interesting dynamic from a young age. Mm. My dad remarried when I was, I think I was around three or four. Okay. Um, and that marriage lasted, I want to say about eight or 10 years. And, and now my dad is on his third marriage. So that's created, yeah, an interesting dynamic. Mm. Um, I grew up uh, living with my mom, uh, who was the, um, who was the main parent, I guess you could put it that way. And then I would go to my dad's uh, every other weekend and on Wednesday nights. So I still saw my dad, just not as much as my mom. Right. And what was your relationship like? Uh, was it good with both your parents? Um, my mom and I have always been very close, very, very close. I, look up to her a lot Mm. and I have a lot of respect for single moms. Mm. Oh my goodness. Just, um, what she did for my brother and I, the sacrifices she made, um, just incredible. Mm. So I've always been very close to her. Um, and my dad wasn't, um, around as much when I was young. Um, I really do think that he, he did the best that he could Mm -hmm. based on what was going on with him at the time. Um, but he was a bit more absent when I was young and that definitely had an impact on me growing up. Uh, but as far as now, my dad and I are extremely close. Oh, that's great. Um, and my parents are actually friends, hmm. which might seem crazy to some mm-hmm. divorced parents, friends. Now my, my stepmom, my current stepmom, Michelle, she's lovely. Uh, her and my mom get along really well oh, great. and our entire family, we do Christmas together, holidays together, birthdays. Hmm. Um, it's pretty cool what God can do with, uh, a divorced family, yeah. uh, just the redemption there. So, um, yeah. It's been lovely. And what about as a kid? You said your dad uh, remarried when you were really young. What was your relationship like with your stepmom then? Yeah. So my dad's second marriage, um, that was really, really tough for me, actually. Mm. I think it really sets the stage just for um, some experiences that I have later on in life. But um, yeah, I mean, I'll just get into it. Um, so with my my dad's second marriage, um, I just have memories of always being in fear. Um it was quite a toxic relationship. Um, there was a lot of abuse, um, that came from that, uh, particular person. Mm. And, um, I just remember, you know, crying to my mom because I didn't want to go to my dad's and not mm. because of my dad, but just because of the fear that I had of, um, this particular woman. Um, I just could never please her. Mm. I could never get her approval. Um, and I just felt I was never good enough for her. Mm. I, I just would get in trouble all the time. And um, there was just, yeah, abuse on, on quite a few levels. And, and so um, 
I, I dealt with, yeah, a lot of um, feelings of insecurity from a young age, I guess. Uh, so did you and your stepmom, did your relationship ever improve or, or get better along the mm, way? Yeah, good question. Um, we never ended up having a conversation or anything like that. They, you know, the last thing I remember, um, and this might sound pretty dark, but she actually, <laughs> um, when my dad and her were separating, she um, packed up all my, my clothes and my brother's clothes and... Um, sent it back to my mom's house and they were all like torn up and cut up. And mm. like, that was kind of my last memory of her. Ah. Um, she just had like a deep, uh, hatred towards my brother and I, and it's kind of crazy thinking about the fact that I was like, you know, between like when we were living with her, like four and like 12 years old, wow. like what kind of yeah. kid can do something wrong at that age? Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, it's crazy Jordan because I would say maybe five years ago I had a dream that her and I were at a coffee shop okay. and I told her I forgave her hmm. and she asked for my forgiveness. It was really crazy. And I woke up and I, I felt a lot of <laughs> peace and it was for me. I was able to let go. I, I really don't, I don't hang on to that anymore. I don't hold hmm. any bitterness to her. Um, if anything, you know, I pray for her. I pray hmm. that, uh, that she would know the Lord closely and deeply. Yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, it, it's been, it's been, I, I feel blessed that I, that I don't live with that anymore. Right. Yeah. Man, that's tough. Mm -hmm. And along this time, like, is this when you started going to Keats camp? Like when you Yes. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, this is why Keats is so important Yeah. or so important that. in my journey. I know important in so many others. Mm -hmm. Um, but essentially for me growing up, I, you know, in, in so many areas of my life, I felt that I wasn't good enough. So I explained that, you know, with, um, my stepmom, um, being at my dad's house. And then also in elementary school, I really had a hard time making friends. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of what I was going through at home was coming out. And, you know, I think I was just that annoying, like <laughs> kid, um, who would misbehave in class and all these things. Um, and I, I, yeah, I had a hard time making friends and I experienced, you know, um, kids just making fun of me in elementary school and really not feeling like I fit in anywhere. Mm. And so it felt like I couldn't get away from that feeling of I'm not worthy. Mm -hmm. And that was a message that I felt that I was told, but I also continued to tell myself just when I was really, really young. Mm. And so I go up to Keats camp. We went to the mom and me camp. Mm -hmm. They don't have it anymore, but, um, it's a, it's at Keats and they have a, a week in the summer where they just bless, they used to bless single moms and their mm -hmm. kids. So my mom heard about the camp and took us there. And for the first time in my life, I experienced a sense of community and belonging. I still to this day remember being like four years old and stepping onto the, to the, uh, what do they call it? The wharf, the, fr the front dock, um, what do they call it? Um, Main dog. dock. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, <laughs> Yeah, I know about, what you're talking right? about. Special, there probably is a special where the Where the big boat drops you off. Um, I just remember feeling a sense of um, freedom mm. and belonging. Mm. And I kept going to Keats for the next like 20 years. Forever, yeah. <laughs> but um, that place... For a kid that felt in so many areas of her life she wasn't worthy to go up to camp and have staff just pour love into her mm. uh, and want to hang out with her, want to get to know her, include her, um, 
just the impact that that had on my worth and and um, entire being. I remember um, during the year I'd I'd have dreams about Keats, mm-hmm. and I'd wake up like crying and calling for my mom because I just wanted to be there so bad. Mm. And I think that really just emphasizes what that was for me, just yeah. this safe haven. And in so many areas of my life, I'm told that I, I'm not good enough. I don't matter. We don't want you. Um, get away from us. Mm. And I go to Keats and I'm embraced. And I'm, I, I'm told that I'm loved. And that kept me going back every single summer. Yeah. Um, and then as you, as, as you get older, you realize that there's something bigger going on here. Mm-hmm. And that, that's actually God who's pouring his love through the staff onto me. Yeah. Um, yeah. Man, yeah, it's such a good place. Like, I, I, I talk about it often with like, people from the shore, like, like Kevin yeah. Johnson and Cam and uh, one of my good friends, Scott, who lives in North Van. Like, we talk about our days at Keats so fondly. It's like, mm. honestly, like the glory days. Like we love it, <laughs> loved it so much. It was such a great place to just be around like like-minded people who just cared about you and loved you so much. And then totally. it's just amazing to see how like when I was there, I was like a, a camp counselor and you were just a little kid there, but now <laughs> you're like serving alongside me. Like mm-hmm. I became like best friends with your brother. Now when he grew up, like it's just incredible to see how, how God works and full circle. Yeah. It's so cool. Wow. It's so cool. And so what was your life like as you like moved into high school? Like what was your, your day to day? Like what kind of kid were you in high school? (laughs) Isn't it funny asking people that question? It's always interesting. Well, if you can imagine, I just craved Mm. approval. Mm. And I think that just comes from, uh, the situation I grew up with as a kid. I craved approval. So in high school, I was whoever anyone wanted me to be. So I was involved in youth and stuff like that Mm. outside of school. So there I was like on fire Christian, Mm. right? Because that was really cool. Yeah, for sure. Um, That was admired. Uh, And in high school, it wasn't necessarily cool to be a Christian. I mean, I didn't didn't hide my faith necessarily, but I wasn't like Mm -hmm. crazy open about it. Uh, And I just did whatever I could to fit in. So wearing certain clothes, acting a certain way, I think I would have partied a lot, but I actually, I had a deal with my grandfather. My brother had the same deal. Do you know what I'm talking about? Uh, about the no. car? Oh, you got a car if you didn't drink? If you didn't drink yeah, till yeah, the yeah, age. Yeah, I yeah, yeah so I remember I, Paul got his car, yeah. Which, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he got it. I got a better car though. So <laughs> I got the better end of the deal. But um, I, and I mean, then of course I went crazy at 19. So you can imagine mm-hmm. that didn't necessarily uh work out in the way I think my family intended it to but yeah I didn't drink in high school but I still you know went to parties and hung out with uh, friends that did Mm. Uh, but it's interesting that that message of uh, you're not good enough really followed me okay and I and not to sound boastful or anything but I had I had friends in high school like I you know I I, I was liked Um, I didn't experience like bullying or anything like that that I did in elementary school like I had I had good friends um, but I never felt that I was worthy enough like Mm. uh, and it you know nobody could tell me that I was it was a really deep rooted issue that I had in my heart Mm. Uh, and it really started to catch up with me later in later in high school Uh, that's when I started experiencing a lot of anxiety just out of nowhere Mm. but I just think that's really interesting that, yeah. yeah, I had lots of friends and still felt extremely lonely, uh, you know, still suffered from anxiety and depression. Um, yeah. Tell me, tell me more about that. Hmm. Your experience with anxiety and depression. Why were you anxious? What was the feeling like? Yeah. Hmm. I, 
was kind of like generalized anxiety. There wasn't something, you know, it wasn't like I was crazy afraid of spiders and I'd get anxious when I saw a spider. It mm. was like there was just this anxiety all the time. Mm. And, and that really, yeah, it started coming out probably grades 10, 11, 12 um, and feeling just low mood. Uh, and I started having panic attacks. And, you know, for anyone that's had a panic attack, you feel like you're dying. Mm. <laughs> Oftentimes you do. Um, and I think the most frustrating part for me was I didn't know why it was happening. Mm. And, uh, yeah, looking back now, I can see, I can see that I, I was dealing with a lot of pain from my childhood, but, um, yeah, I didn't know. I, 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 it, it was quite new to me in high school. I felt a lot of shame, um, that I was dealing with this. I started seeing a counselor actually, uh, later in high school, which was really helpful, uh, and necessary, mm. necessary for me to, to actually get through what I was going through. It was kind of cool because she, uh, she's not a Christian, but she knew I was a strong Christian. Mm -hmm. And she would often tell me to pray. Mm. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Um, just she, she went, well, Joe, like, you know, I know you're a Christian. I, I really think you need to kind of in, in, engage more in your prayer life. Like, I'm sorry, who? <laughs> who are you? What are you saying? You're not my pastor. What's happening? And um, But it was true. Yeah. It was true. And so as a result of my non-Christian counselor in high school, uh, I started to pray. Wow. It's amazing the way God works there, right? Eh? Mm -hmm. You can work in any yeah. situation through anyone. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. And so after high school, you went off to university right yes. away? Did Actually, you, did you have any time Can we off? go back one sec? There's oh, one yeah, thing sure. I want to share um, from, can you cut this out or this like? <laughs> sure. Or we can keep it in and it's <laughs> funny. <laughs> I want to go back. I want to share something go for it. Uh, pretty insane that happened to me in high school. Sure. And, and this was like a pivotal moment for me yeah, sure. in, in choosing to become, to continue on with my faith. Um, because as you know, after high school, you have to kind of make these big decisions, like where you go to school, mm -hmm. um, who you want to be, what you want to do. Um, and so I remember... I was really dealing with some pretty bad anxiety and depression. I think it was, it was either grade 11 or grade 12. And, um, it was getting to the point where it was really dark. Mm -hmm. So, uh, the depression, you know, led me to feelings or thoughts of suicide and, mm -hmm. uh, not wanting to, yeah, not wanting to live anymore. Not, um, not feeling like I was worth any space on this earth. Um, and, I remember being really angry at God mm. because I really believed he was real. And so that was frustrating. It was frustrating is an understatement is what would be a better word than that? Infuriating mm. <laughs> that God wasn't helping me that mm. like he wasn't taking this away. And I remember sitting on the edge of my bed, screaming at God out loud mm swearing at God out loud. Um, and that, that's real. You know, it might feel kind of weird just to admit that, that yeah. I <laughs> told God to F off. Right. Yeah. But you know, that's real. That's yeah. where I was at. Uh, I was so desperate. I was so angry. And, um, and so I just remember yelling at God. And then all of a sudden there was something that just in me was just told me to, to stop and listen, mm. just stop and listen. And I was just like, what the heck? And so I stopped screaming. <laughs> hmm. 
And I heard God speak to me. I remember being audible. Hmm. Now looking back, I'm like, was it audible? You kind of second guess. I remember it being audible and being freaked out. I remember hearing God say to me, um, Jillian, you are my child Hmm. and I want you to go and serve my kingdom. And by the way, I had no idea what that meant. (laughs) God's kingdom. What does that mean? At the time I had no idea what that meant, but what I needed to hear was that I was his daughter. Hmm. And in that moment, I felt the Holy Spirit, like I, I almost, I felt my body being lifted above my bed. And it was like this, like, I can't describe it, like this, like electric energy, like going over my body. And it was like complete peace, hmm. complete peace. Like in that moment, all the anxiety, all the depression was gone. And I started wow. laughing and experiencing joy. And I'm like, do I need to go wake up my mom and brother and tell <laughs> them that I like just heard God speak to me? Like, wow. this is insane. Um, and you know, you wake up the next day and you're, you know, the depression, it wasn't gone. The sure. anxiety wasn't gone, but I knew that God was with me. Right. I knew he was with me. I knew he cared about me. And I knew that he had a purpose and plan for my life. Mm. And the craziest part is that I remember saying to God, I, I don't know what it means to serve your kingdom. Cause I guess I kind of thought, isn't God's kingdom like up in heaven? I mm. didn't, re- I didn't understand sure. the whole idea of bringing God's kingdom to earth. So I was questioning that. And then I went to Bible study. I think it was either that week or the next week. Um, you know, Brian Dean. Yeah, sure. Yeah, Brian Dean uh, was uh, a youth pastor at Cap Church, and uh, that was really huge for me, being part of that in high school, by the way. Mm-hmm. But um, So I went to his Bible study, and he said, okay, everyone, we're going to start a new sermon, or uh, not ser- like a new uh, series. And he says, we're going to be learning about the kingdom of God wow. and what it is and what our role is in it. And I'm mm. like, what the <laughs> heck is happening? Yeah. And so I got to spend the next couple of months Wow. Learning about that. Uh, yeah. You know, God, God was with me. There's no yeah. question in my mind. And was that equipping you for something? Did you, did you put that into application anywhere? Hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think it just changed my entire mindset. It just felt like I knew that like to the core of who I am, I'm, I love God. Hmm. And so I think it, it really impacted just the everyday, first of all, mm-hmm. um, and just being more open about my faith, uh, you know, pursuing Christian disciplines as well. Um, and then I decided to go to Bible school because I wanted right. to, I wanted to, uh, learn more about the Bible. Where'd you go to Bible school? I did. Uh, well, it's not quite a Bible school. It's a <laughs> discipleship program called out of town. Okay. It's through the, actually the Canadian Mennonite university. Okay. Also, I didn't know what a Mennonite was before I went. Okay. I didn't know the different I Mennonite, Mormon, Amish, I thought all the same. I was like, <laughs> what what school am I going to? <laughs> but uh, yeah, I went there, I did that. It was like a school year. Okay. Uh, so first semester we traveled across Canada. Oh, cool. Um, taking Bible classes, living in community, going on adventures, doing outreach, and then uh, second semester I went to Guatemala. Wow. Which was lovely. I lived with the host family. Um, I learned Spanish. No, none of it now. Oh, see. Use it or lose it. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's cool. I had no idea you went to Guatemala. How long were you yeah. there for? I guess a semester. How long is a semester? Like I don't know. Four months? months? Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Cool. That's awesome. And then after that, 
Where did you end up? TWU. Oh, that's right. You went to Trinity. Four years? Five. five Victory years? lap. Oh I did five, yes. Yeah. So I studied, um, I did an honor psychology okay. with a human services certificate. So the honors was why I did a fifth year. Okay. I wanted to stay and do a thesis. Okay. Um, an, an undergraduate thesis, right. so it's baby thesis. It's right. still a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was a huge accomplishment yeah. for me, actually. Why did you want to go there? Just because your brother was there? I thought you wouldn't want to go there because he was So there. this is what a lot of people don't know. <laughs> I went to Trinity before Paul. <laughs> before Paul. Paul just, just didn't so you know, not even... many people who listen to this know who Paul is. Okay, so. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a big deal. <laughs> yeah. Just so everyone knows, yeah. I went before my brother. Okay. Um, I... I, I don't know. I heard about Trinity through Keats, I guess. Sure. And um, Kira Allen, oh, or yeah. I guess Kira Kurt is my sister-in-law now. Crazy. My brother married uh, one of my best friends, which is crazy. Um, but yeah, Kira and I, uh, I remember when I was in out of town, we would call and we were trying to figure out what universities to go to. Mm. And we talked about Trinity because we wanted to go to a Christian school, but which yeah. is insanely expensive. Yeah. And then I talked to my dad about it, who... Um, my dad is, um, I wouldn't say, how do I explain it? He believes in God, but he's not necessarily believes that Jesus is Lord. So, mm. um, you know, going to him and saying, Hey, can you pay for me to go to this Christian school? I, I wasn't sure. Mm. <laughs> or can you help me <laughs> go to this Christian school? I wasn't sure how he'd respond. And his response was yes, hundred wow. percent. We're going to get you there. Um, I've heard amazing things about Trinity. He's an accountant, and I guess some of his clients have sent their kids to Trinity. And, you know, he was hyped, pumped on it. More than me, I think. Um, (laughs) And so thank you, Dad, for, uh, you know, my dad uh, helped me financially all five years. Mm. Um, And then uh, second semester of my first year, my brother decided to come to Trinity. (laughs) Which, by the way, I hated at first. Oh, no. It was like my thing, you know. Um, But then... um, it ended up being a really, really awesome yeah. thing. Yeah. And how what was your experience like there for five years? Any highs, any lows? Both. Oh, yeah. Of course. Both. Let's start with the highs. <laughs> I just met incredible people. Yeah. Um, many of my best friends are those that I uh, met at Trinity. Uh, mm. One of my best friends, Stephanie, we just traveled to Europe together mm-hmm. for a month. I met her my second day at Trinity Western. Wow. Um, just such incredible community there. I had, at least... Um, and the professors there are amazing. Mm. They really, you know, got to know me. I got to know them, especially in my last two years. Uh, just directly mentored by some of my professors. And that's, that's pretty unheard of in, mm-hmm. in university. Um, and, and getting involved in outreach. That's where I became, I feel like, fully alive. Right. I um, started doing Streetlight, which is... Um, you work with Union Gospel Mission on the downtown east side and you go down there on Friday nights and hand out hot chocolate mm-hmm. and, and just start conversation uh, with people. And uh, yeah, I, I really loved it. There was something about it. I've always had a big heart for working with individuals that um, are marginalized, um, mm-hmm. that are oppressed, and um, I just love people. So I really fell in love with that and then felt God the next year calling me to do prison ministry. Mm. Um, and that was life changing. What happens there? I could talk about this for six hours. So, you know, let's try just a few minutes. Cut me off. Right. (laughs) Like, but that I adore 
uh, I adored that experience. Mm. So um, some Trinity Western students, we uh, worked directly with a chaplain um, at a women's uh, maximum security prison. Well, there's a medium and a maximum, but we went to the max. And That's locally? Yeah, Maple Ridge. Oh, oh really? Yeah. Um, and we would essentially hold a small group. Okay. We did alpha for a while in there. Um, and really, um, the chaplain kind of gave us, you know, full reign to just do whatever mm. we felt we wanted to do. Yeah. Um, and oftentimes it would just turn into a lot of just real raw conversations. And so many of the girls came out. It wasn't mandatory. So the girls that came to group on Wednesday nights wanted to be there hmm. or were interested or had questions. And it was funny. A lot of them came in just out of a curiosity, like why I had a co-leader and then in the other units, like we went in pairs. Right. So, uh, yeah. So there was just myself and, and one other, uh, leader and you know, some of the inmates would just go, why are there two young girls here from college hmm. working with the chaplain? Like what is going on there? You know, we're just used to like an older generation coming in and holding Bible studies, like what's going on. Mm. And so that started up some cool conversations, just very real. And God just loves individuals in there, like Mm. so, so much. Oh, I I might start crying. I'm a crier. So, but you know, you're in an environment to where these women, um, basically are seen by society as garbage, mm-hmm. um, horrible human beings. That have, Cause it's, it's a maximum security prison. So if right. you can imagine the level of crime, right. Yeah. Um, and you know, certain crimes that I think that our society would not offer forgiveness for. Right. Um, and, uh, you sit there and you're, you, you talk about Jesus and you talk about the love of Jesus and you witness the love of Jesus in front of your eyes that extends to this person that, um, has done this horrific crime, but you know, uh, that their their identity uh, is in is in God and mm. it's not in what they've done, and just the way that God would just come into our meetings and encounter not only the girls that we worked with but myself. Mm. I, I I remember one particular moment that this woman who had committed a crime that just would make your skin crawl, like mm. really really disturbing, right? Um, you know she's she's telling me that you know, she's experiencing persecution in the prison because of the crime she committed. Mm. Uh, it's all really twisted. And I, I remember, you know, talking to her about God and, and sharing the love of Christ. And I remember she just stopped me and was like, Jill, I know that God loves me. Mm. Like, that's all I have in here. That's all I have. I have nothing else. And I remember God saying to me in that moment, Jill, do you know how much I love you? Like that love that you're witnessing extends to you. Do you even walk and live your life in a way where you know that I love you that much? And it was a huge, it was a huge moment for me where I realized, you know, I often will preach this, this love of God to people and I have no problem, you know, discussing things like identity and Mm -hmm. redemption, all these things. But do I actually believe it for myself? Um, and so that, that experience was, was pretty special. Yeah. Pretty special. Yeah. I can imagine. Wow. Good for you to get in there. And man, I can't even imagine like what they're experiencing in there. The isolation they feel like the, the self-loathing, mm-hmm. just like what they need more than anything is the gospel. And to hear that 
God loves them. So, oh yeah. man. And then you can share things like, uh, you know, about Paul and yeah. where Paul was at before he right. became a Christian. Yeah. Right. And look who God chose to use to yeah. be like, essentially like the, the greatest missionary of all yeah. time. Right. Yeah. You know, somebody that murdered and persecuted Christians mm-hmm. beforehand. Um, so we talked about Paul a lot. <laughs> yeah, no, it's good. It just goes to show like yeah. you can't do anything to not be worthy of God's grace because mm-hmm. of what Jesus has done. Like it extends to anyone and everyone who's done anything. Oh, absolutely. God is so good, yeah. man. Wow. It's crazy. Amazing. So that sounds like an awesome experience uh, in university. Were there any difficult things when you're at your time at Trinity? Oh, for sure. Um, I think the biggest thing... Um, yeah, and I decided I wanted to share this because just because of what God does through this is is important to talk about. Um, but I'm not going to go into too much detail about what specifically happened. But I started um, experiencing symptoms of PTSD when I was in my end of my third year, okay. and I didn't know it was PTSD at the time. And so I, and if anyone can relate to this, you think you're going crazy. Um, I, I really, I, I started feeling outside of my body, mm. um, just severe, severe anxiety. Um, I, I essentially had this event happen years before, but in my third year, I had a flashback of this traumatic event that had happened to me. And then it just put my body in, um, like danger mm. mode, if that makes sense. Like all the alarm bells are going off and, um, yeah, I, I thought I was losing, losing a grip on reality. Um, just the, the panic attacks and the dissociation was so severe. Mm. Um, and then probably about three weeks after that initial flashback I had, I was to lead a trip to Uganda. So I went and did that. And the entire time I'm there, I'm experiencing like really bad, yeah, flashbacks and anxiety and Mm. panic attacks and not telling anyone because I was a leader on the trip and Mm. felt that I had to have it together. Um, Mm. I I mean, I shared a little bit, like little pieces with, I think my co-leader, but, um, and it was weird, Jordan, because I'm a big feeler, Mm. a really big feeler. I feel that, you know, and I've known God my whole life since I can remember. And I've always been able to feel God. Mm. And for the first time in my life, I could feel nothing. Like I was completely numb. I mean, I could feel the panic anxiety too, Mm. but I could not feel God at all. Could not feel God at all. And uh, I went back and I went and saw my doctor and she was like, you need to to get to the hospital. Mm. Uh, This is beyond my expertise essentially. Mm. And so, um, I ended up discussing things with a psychiatrist and, um, and I, and I had to go, I had a summer job at Keats that Mm -hmm. summer. And, um, and so that was tough navigating, um, whether I was going to go or not. And, um, Yeah. Hmm. And in the end, uh, the team that I was working with, you know, decided for me to go. 
Um, but it was a really hard summer um, being a crew director and navigating some of the things I was dealing with. Um, but it's crazy how, like, there's a book called The Wounded Healer uh, by Henry Noun. Mm. It's, like, crazy how God, like, used me in my in my weakest spots, like, my weakest places. Um, and, um, yeah, I just ended up meeting... Um, youth that were just dealing with some pretty heavy stuff and, 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 and was able to just walk with them through it and not to say like, oh, I know exactly what you're going through, but mm-hmm. to, to have a level of understanding and empathy yeah. of going, hey, you know what? Um, yeah, like I'm not really feeling God in this moment either. Like how can we have faith together mm-hmm. and how can we walk through this together? Um, that was the most beautiful summer of my life yeah. and the hardest summer of my life. And yeah, that was a crazy summer, and I got really close with the youth I worked with, and uh, it was just the most beautiful thing seeing so many of them. They, so many of them got baptized after that summer. Mm-hmm. Um, just crazy, crazy things happened. Just the Holy Spirit just really showing up in our in our um, sessions, and and yeah, like God was just so present there. But I was really wrestling because I felt this like darkness in me like that I was so angry that God wasn't taking it away and I could see God working in other people's lives but felt that he wasn't working in mine mm. and I remember like I said to you Jordan I couldn't feel anything mm. like I couldn't feel God at all and uh, and people have different opinions on Bethel music um, I understand some of the controversies <laughs> But I, I went to, I decided to go to a Bethel concert that summer. I went home and uh, went to the concert and I remember saying to God, like, God, I need something. Like, I'm, I need you to help me out here. I need you to speak to me. I need you to give me a sign that you're there. Uh, and I remember even saying, like, can I just even like talk to Stephanie Gretzinger whose music's really mm-hmm. impacted me and just let her know, like, just like pray with her or something. Like it was mm-hmm. just, I was really desperate, 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 desperate. And there's a song called King of My Heart that God mm-hmm. really um, spoke to me through for a while. Uh, and so we were at the Orpheum. I was in the second or third row and that song started playing. And um, during the song, they had asked like people to, raise their hand if they wanted prayer or something they were going through something then I had raised my hand and no one around me like saw me so no one was praying for me and so I was kind of like oh awkward (laughs) and then Stephanie Gretzinger uh, actually ran off stage and came straight up to me and grabbed my face and said um, that all chains have been broken in Jesus name Mm. and I felt the Holy Spirit just come over my body it was the first time I felt anything in months. And I, um, it was just crazy. I'm like crying. She's crying. And um, I think she started speaking in tongues. I don't even really remember what she said. And I, I could just hear God, not audibly, but I could feel God saying to me, you know, Jill, I've never left you. I've been here. Like I'm here. I've been here the whole time. Um, I've never left you. And again, similar to when I was in high school, I woke up the next day and I'm still battling, 
you know, yeah. I'm still battling. But to know that God is with me, that that is who he is, that he is a God that enters into the dark places, the hard yeah. places, and meets us where we're at. I mean, you know, even with Lazarus in the Bible, right? Like Jesus doesn't just show up and raise him from the dead. He sits and he mm -hmm. grieves and he mourns with the people. He still did the miraculous, but nobody had any idea that God yeah. was actually working. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, there's, oh, there's a really good song. You know, have you heard the song Waymaker? No, I haven't. Waymaker, oh my gosh, <laughs> it's like huge right now, Jordan, come okay, on. Um, there's one version of the song where the artist stops in the middle of the song, he, he starts saying something like, um, you know, even when we don't, see God working, we know he's working because that's what his word says. Yeah. You know, even when we don't feel God working, we know he's, he, we know he's working because that's what his word says. And that is really, you know, what I had hung on to in that season of my life. Yeah. Um, and that just because I'm going through this experience, that doesn't mean that the character of God has changed. Exactly. Yeah. Um, that doesn't mean that his love for me is different. That doesn't mean that his presence in my life is different. Like feelings are so fleeting. We can't rely on our feelings to decide to believe in God, right? right. It's, it's incredibly subjective. It's, yeah, you have to be in the word. You have to trust the character of God. And I really hope we do that series. I know James, uh, yeah. what was he saying? The attributes of God, maybe the characteristics mm -hmm. of God or something in mm -hmm. the future. He mentioned that, but, um, Yeah. And then I went and I was an RA. Mm. So the entire time I'm like wrestling with this, like the hardest time in my life. I'm put in all these roles to serve. And I think I actually believe that serving when you're experiencing suffering is one of the most beautiful things mm. you can do. And I, and I feel it now, like if I'm, if I feel like I'm in a rough spot, if I'm going through something, I just feel that like, just go and bless somebody else. Yeah. We have to get out of the mindset of like me, 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 mm -hmm. woe is me. And there's some validation to some real pain and hurt that people go through, mm -hmm. but let's, we need to take responsibility over ourselves and, and continue to, to love and bless others. And I think that that can just, do such incredible things when you are yourself wounded. Yeah, no, for sure. It's like if you're in a position of leadership, we're going to be like tempted to think to ourselves, like I'm so inadequate for this. And that's exactly where we need to be. If we're going to be used by God, like we need to be reminded constantly that we are inadequate, that we are weak on our own power and we need God to show up. And I just love how in, in your story there and that experience, Man, just something I've experienced a lot just with talking to people on this podcast or just in life that the darker a situation is, like just the more room there is for God to show his amazing light. And just because it seems like God's not doing anything doesn't mean he's not doing something. You know, I think of like the parable in Mark of this, the farmer who plants a seed. He puts it in the ground and he doesn't see anything happen underground because he physically hmm. can't see it. But that doesn't right. mean something's not happening down there. Like think about the disciples when... Jesus went in the grave. They didn't, he was in the ground. They couldn't see him doing anything, but he was doing like the most amazing thing ever. <laughs> yeah. You know, like taking our sins away and giving us a, a pathway to God. So 
if you're in a moment like that right now, like you just got to know that God's promises are true yeah. and he's at work. He's doing something that we on. might not see it. Like if you look at like Joseph's life or Job's life, like he's doing something. The Israelites. In it. Yeah. <laughs> and, and Jill's life is a good example of, yeah. of that as well. I really appreciate you sharing that. Mm. That's great. Okay. So after you finish up at Trinity, did you get a, a job in your field right away or where did you end up? <laughs> Thankfully I did. The awesome thing about Trinity, especially um, I did the human services certificate with my degree. So you have to do practicums while you're in school. Okay. So I worked at like a crisis hotline. I worked with youth and I also worked at an emergency shelter Okay. in Langley. Uh, and so I ended up getting a job with the emergency shelter post-graduation. So that's what I went into right after I graduated. Okay. Um, and that was wild. I, I loved working there, but... Uh, it was chaotic also, <laughs> uh, the, the shelter, a lot, a lot is going down. It yeah. was really, it was really hard work. I have a deep respect for people that can work at a, at a shelter like that. Mm. And then how long were you there for? I was there, uh, for a couple months, then decided to quit and go to Europe <laughs> and <laughs> okay. travel. Um, and then once I came back, I ended up going to Washington DC. Yes. This is a part of your life. I don't know a lot about. Yeah. I just remember seeing it from like Instagram and Facebook that all of a sudden totally. jails in Washington DC. Yeah. What's going on there? I loved it. So I went there for an internship for a couple months. I worked with, um, international justice mission, okay. which is an international anti-slavery organization. Um, and their headquarters are in DC, okay. um, but they work in the developing world. Um, that's where all their um, outreach offices are. And so, yeah, I got to be an intern at the headquarters. Cool. It was interesting because it's, you know, you dress business professional, had to buy a bunch of blazers. <laughs> um, also crazy, it's America. Mm -hmm. And some of the other interns are were more Southern. Sure. And so in a professional setting, you're wearing like, blazers and people are in tux or not like you know suits and tuxedos? stuff I don't think tuxedos so. <laughs> no <laughs> suits and stuff yeah and you hear people saying like y'all yeah for sure right yeah. like hey y'all and you're yeah. like that like here in Vancouver if you're in a professional I don't know it doesn't scream professional yeah. but it's very it's okay yeah. it's very normal totally. in the states y'all what's up yeah. um and but yeah I loved that experience I I think it was oh, a little bit about that organization. They're a Christian organization mm -hmm. and they dedicate an hour of their workday to spiritual formation. Oh, wow. So okay. half an hour in the morning, they do, um, what did they call it? Um, solitude, I think, okay. period of solitude. Um, so yeah, the first half an hour of work, like the whole office is quiet mm -hmm. and everyone's doing devotionals, listening to sermons, reading the Bible stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And then for half an hour a day, they do prayer, like corporate prayer. So everyone at headquarters gets in the conference room and they're part of it. And then you have, you know, people listening online from different places in the world. Um, and every day you're hearing stories of, uh, individuals being rescued from slavery. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's just the most exciting place to be. You know, mm -hmm. you hear horrific stories, but so much excitement and just seeing actual like hearing about investigations and and rescue operations that are happening um it was just the best experience i had an incredible um supervisor who um just really in, invested in 
in me, not just in my professional development, but spiritual growth mm. um, as well. And um, yeah, I did realize though that I missed working on the front lines. Okay. Yeah. And, and so that's what brought you back home? Brought me back home. I, I really, I loved the mission. I loved the, what we were doing. Um, I was very passionate about the work, but I missed working directly on the front lines mm-hmm. with people. As I mentioned to you, Jordan, I love people. Yeah. I love building relationship. And um, yeah, and so I, I knew that I wanted to do something on the front lines. And I came back and ended up knowing someone who worked for an organization uh, that works directly with survivors and um yeah and now that's what i do so mm, that's awesome and, yeah. and then so how did you end up at the shore church then shore is interesting i so a lot of people don't know this i was there in 2012 yeah when it like first started i think you were there at the launch right yeah um and i didn't go every week but i like was in and out um and i always loved the i guess west side north shore at the time yeah and now the shore church always loved it there um but was living in Langley, going to Trinity, couldn't make the commute yeah, out. Yeah, bit of a trek. So if I was ever in North Van, I would try to come by, but I couldn't get involved. Mm. And, and that really made me sad, because mm. I wanted to. And I wanted to join a community group, and I wanted to serve in some way. Um, and so when I got back from DC, I um, moved back on the North Shore with my mom, and I knew I wanted to get involved in a church, thought about the shore, uh, it was kind of funny. I really, something I really have always loved about the shore is how much you love the Bible. Mm. <laughs> you specifically, George. Yes, just no. <laughs> You're the team, the church, mm-hmm. how much they love the Bible, that the preaching is in the word. It's not motivational speaking. Right. And that is something that you do, unfortunately, see a lot yeah, sure. uh, nowadays. Um, but it's it's deeply rooted in the word, um, you know, and the church having a willingness to talk about hard issues and remain on the more conservative end, even if um, that's not necessarily the most popular answer. Mm. And that's something that I really respected. Mm. But, um, you know, I've just had experiences in my life where I've really seen the Holy Spirit at work. I've, you know, been to conferences where I've just seen really crazy things Mm. with the Spirit. And I was worried that coming to the shore, I wouldn't, I, I, I questioned how much, the church engages in spiritual gifts mm-hmm. and um, and invites the Holy Spirit to, to move, you know? And I remember praying about that and saying, God, this is the one thing. This is the one thing that I'm like, I feel like it's not quite there. And I feel like, you know, I need to go somewhere mm-hmm. where I can, you know, practice the spiritual gifts that I've been given and encourage people in their spiritual gifts. So I start coming to the shore to just try it out again. And lo and behold, I hear that, you know, either they'd already started or they were about to start a sermon series on spiritual gifts. And I was like, all right, amazing. okay, I'm in, yeah. I'm totally in. Yeah. So, uh, that's how it first started. Amazing. That's so great. And then how, how long till you got involved in the community group? It was pretty quick. Yeah. Um, I think that I had an understanding, uh, just that that's really essential. Mm-hmm. Um, that you are meeting with people regularly um, that can pour into you, that you can pour into, that can keep you accountable. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there was a community group that I wanted to join, but then for some reason they weren't, maybe it was yours. 
No, I don't think so. What do you mean? What happened? Because they were no longer available. <laughs> oh, maybe, yeah. So maybe it was yours. we stopped leading one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. That's possible then. <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. Um, <laughs> no, whatever. Um, and then Tim and Shelly, um, they live pretty close to me. Yeah. In the Cove-ish. Right. And I remember meeting Tim. He actually used to go to Cap Church. Right. And that's where I used to go. Right. And I knew that he did some film work and mm-hmm. uh, anti-human trafficking work. Mm-hmm. So I was like, whoa. And I had just come back from IJM in the, in the States. And that's like, was my life, you yeah. know, that whole thing. Yeah. And so I was like, okay, I'll give it a shot. I remember Tim being pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And I fell in love with the group. Mm. Um, I came on my own. I, you know, I didn't, and I want to say this to people that, you know, maybe are or at the shore by themselves or, you know, I didn't go with a group of friends and try it out. Like I, I went alone and I was welcome with open arms. Mm-hmm. I was made to feel that I was really just part of the group yeah. day one. Um, and people, you know, wanted to know my opinion on stuff. They mm-hmm. didn't even know me. It was <laughs> crazy. Uh, and that's been, yeah. As, uh, yeah. Again, essential for me, uh, this year. That's being awesome. Part of that group. Yeah, that takes a lot of courage too to walk into a room full of strangers by yourself. But you knew that this is what God would have for you if you wanted to grow closer to Him, and so I really admire that, Jill. Totally. Yes. Yeah. Totally. And then you started serving when someone from <laughs> a certain team approached you and asked you to serve on their team. Is that how? Did you approach me? <laughs> I can't remember. I wanted to do youth. Okay, we'll we'll go. We'll I give did. you the credit then. I did, but I was nervous to talk to you about it sure I had been this might seem harsh I felt I had been burned from a previous experience uh working with youth Mm. and felt that um yeah I I was nervous to go back into it and um but I I I really wanted to though like Mm. in my heart and um I think it's is it Dale Dale came up to me and said how are you hey like how are you gonna get involved and you know, do you like working with like younger kids? Cause we need people. <laughs> I was like, I actually like working with the youth. He's like, well, you need to talk to Jordan. Like, <laughs> what are you doing? And, um, and so I think one of us, you probably might've approached me even. Um, and we ended up going for coffee yeah. and talking about it, but I was pretty, it's kind of crazy how it happened. Cause I was still feeling pretty unsure about it. Mm. Um, and then I was, I remember sitting in my living room talking to my mom about how I really wanted to to be a youth leader at the shore, mm. but just from this previous experience, feeling unsure about it. Um, and, and then I had one of my youth that I had previously worked with, um, who is now at YWAM in Australia, asked to FaceTime me, like literally when I'm having the conversation with my mom about how I'm unsure if I should go back into working with youth. And she was like, hey, I just, wanted to call you because I've been reaching out to people that have had an impact on my faith. I want to um, let you know that I'm a Christian because of that summer mm. uh, with you and, um, and, and thank you for, and she knew I had been through a hard summer and she just said like, you know, thank you for mentoring me um, and discipling me. And I want you to know that now my dad's a Christian wow. um, because of that. Um, and my family um, has been completely impacted. And now I'm at YWAM and I've been sharing the gospel with all these people. And it's mm-hmm. just the, the ripple effect. And, um, you know, I didn't, I didn't go into it on the podcast, but I, um, it's cool to think that, you know, when you're going through a really hard time, um, that God 
can use you mm-hmm. uh, and that he can have an impact in ways that you don't even know. Yeah. Um, and so I, I, I had said to her, I said, Maddie, I, I'm thinking about becoming a youth leader at this church I'm going to, but I'm not sure because of like these past experiences and feeling burned by it. Mm-hmm. And, and she went, you got to do it. <laughs> <laughs> so I ended up joining uh, Shore Youth. Oh, yeah. thanks, Maddie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that's it's good. Been pretty fun. Yeah, that's good. I've been, it's been so great having you. I know you connect really well with the kids. You're still like younger than me, so you're still like kind of cool and <laughs> dress cool. And I know they think you're cool, so it's good. You relate to teenage girls better than I do, so it's good to have you. <laughs> yeah, that is true. That is true. Awesome. Well, I guess the the last big question I want to ask you is, what would you say? Like, would you have words of encouragement for someone who was maybe experiencing something similar to you, whether it be mm. the anxiety, the depression? Um, any kind PTSD. of PTSD stuff mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. What kind of, what kind of things would you tell that person? Oh man. The first thing is, is that you're not alone. Mm-hmm. Um, and your feelings can lie to you. Mm-hmm. Um, that might seem like a weird thing to say, but when you feel, um, that nobody cares and, and you feel, um, and you think that my life will never be the same, there's no way out of this, that it's just not true. Mm-hmm. Um, that, you know, our God is the God of miracles mm-hmm. and you know, this really the same Holy spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in yeah. you. And, um, and so to know that there is always hope. And I hung on to revelation 21 for a long time, mm. you know? Um, and so to know that, yeah, um, that uh, like our mind can lie to us. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in that, when you're experiencing these lies, you need people around you that are going to tell you the truth. Uh, so you need to, it, it is your responsibility to get yourself around people that can have a positive impact on you. And I, I really think that people that have an understanding of the spiritual realm, uh, Christian people. And so if you're at the shore and you're not a part of community group, get involved in a community group, mm-hmm. find a mentor. I've, I, I feel like all the women in my community group have become my mentor. Mm-hmm. Um, and I meet with different uh, older women in my community group regularly. Uh, I met with Sonia last week, mm. um, who's really able to pour into me. And, and that's just I- imperative um, mm. to have people um, that can just speak truth into your life. Mm. Get into the word. Uh, I know we were saying before uh, that even when we don't feel like God is working, we know he's working because mm-hmm. that's what his word says. You need to know what his word says. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You need to know. Um, and, I, and I really believe um, that God speaks through his word. His word's live today. Uh, and I think we have a responsibility as Christians to make sure we're engaging in that spiritual discipline. Mm-hmm. Um, and if, and if you have a hard time reading your Bible, like me, uh, find an accountability partner to do it. Mm. Um, and I touched on this earlier, but, um, I think one of the most beautiful things is when God uses you, when you feel you're broken and yeah. you f- you're going through a hard season, serve, mm-hmm. <laughs> love on people. Um, you know, if you have a thought that like, man, I just feel like no one cares about me, go and tell somebody that you care about them. Like having that, like having that mindset that is, it does wonders. It's very powerful. Um, and then to like, you know, there, there comes a point where, you know, it's okay to see a counselor. I mean, there's Mm -hmm. no, there, there shouldn't be a stigma around that. I, you know, I went and saw a non-Christian counselor who started giving me Christian advice. I mean, mm. who, how does that work? I, yeah. I don't know. That's <laughs> crazy. Um, but, um, yeah, it does get better. I often would tell myself that 
this will come to an end. Mm -hmm. Maybe I don't know when that is, but it will come to an end. Uh, and, and God actually has good plans for you and an actual purpose. Your life has meaning. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's good stuff. Thanks, Jill. Well, can you tell I'm passionate about that? No, I don't I know love if you it. could. It's so great. I'm just, I'm just soaking it all in here. I'm forgetting that I'm hosting something. It's so good. No, I really appreciate it. And if you're listening to this and anything um, Jill has said has resonated with you or maybe you want to chat with her further about it, I yeah, know totally. she'd be so down to do that. So grab her on a Sunday or send her a message and she'd love to chat with you further about this totally. or pray through any of this with you. Mm-hmm, well, absolutely. Awesome. Well, thanks again, Jill. Really appreciate Aww. you coming on. Really appreciate your openness and vulnerability and mm-hmm. seeing how God has moved in your life, especially through some really hard times. But like you're living evidence that even when times seem like dark or hopeless, like God is doing something and he's continuing to do a great work mm-hmm. in you and through you. So mm-hmm. I know I've been really blessed to, to have you here at Youth and at the Shore. So thanks again for coming on. Oh, it's been an honor. It's <laughs> it's such a joy um, to do this. So thanks so much for awesome. having me. Yeah, I loved course. it. Awesome. Well, thanks everyone for listening this week. Thanks again to Jill. Uh, we'll see you soon with another episode. Have a great day.